This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. So great to be with you. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, and it's great to be with you because joining me is my partner in crime that's helped me grow this thing. He is uh, of EP Ringside, of D Magazine, and his Substack, which means you can subscribe to get Shap Shots which is Sean Shapiro, and I read Sean's article last night following the game, and just the points that he made, really, really interesting. I'm going to bring up several today. Sean, how are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. It's uh, I'm uh, we're, we're talking hockey today. We there was a pretty good hockey game last night. Good stories. Uh, I'm I'm doing really well, Gavin, and. Uh, I will. Uh, I don't know if we're supposed to share this, but the fact that uh, we just got an email today that uh, this is one of the one of the uh, tent poles of the hockey podcast network here is a nice feeling too. So I'm going to let yeah. you uh, brag about that for a second. So yeah, no, it's really really cool to get you know Odyssey emailed us and talked about you know what's performing in what sports and when it comes to hockey, um, Spits and Suds uh, was one of their top performing podcasts nationwide so that's uh terrific uh and that's great as far as the downloads that we've got and we still have a lot more to uh grow and that's yes. that's what it's all about and that's why we're cranking out these podcasts and uh, i was just telling sean it's crazy we did one friday with the miro uh injury we did one saturday following the game and then we did a, a wild stars preview uh on sunday with joe o'donnell who's the awesome guy sean you know him uh, play-by-play yep. announcer for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, great story. Grinded in the AHL for a number of years. Gets his opportunity with Minnesota. And then uh, last night we uh, covered the game as well. So, and here we are today. So, that's what we do because Stars fans said, hey, Gavin, we want more content. Well, we're giving you more content. And that's what's super cool. And uh, and absolutely enjoying the ride. And did I toot my horn on Matt Murray for just one <laughs> night, Sean Shapiro, last night? I did. <laughs> <laughs> i did <laughs> it, it was a let's let's it was about time they they played him right like and it was that's kind of the the bigger takeaway and i'm sure we're about to go deeper into this but like the bigger takeaway for me on all of this is it's such a great story he comes in gets the shutout in his first start of the season and it's great but at the same time can we talk about why like Let's 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 just be honest here. It shouldn't have taken eleven games for us to be talking about Matt Murray playing a game. Yeah. That's kind of but that's a, that's a whole other thing. I'll let you be the director here, though. No, so take I us think away. that's great because you brought that up in Shap Shots, and after Saturday night's game, uh, you know, watching Saturday, uh, I was like, mm, you know, it's just not that Wedgwood's bad, but you know, it just looks like he might be a little tired, might deserve a rest, and then. When Pete DeBoer mentioned it, I said, I think we're going to see Matt Murray. But you're right. Probably could have seen him early. I'm just fascinated with the Matt Murray story, how he goes undrafted out of college, you know, played in Hockey East, high level, you know, fighting for everything he's got in um, the AHL. You know, you pointed out in Shap Shots, which I really liked, um, prior to being called up to Dallas, didn't have, you know, he, he didn't really have two great performances prior um, but at yeah. the same time, you know, gets called up. I was just really happy for the kid. And, uh, boy, he was kind of, you know, I mean, I understand the third period. I think the Wild had two shots on net. Um, but there were some good chances early and tight that I thought, you know, he 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 really, you know, he showed up. He looked like he was in control, you know, looked calm in net. I give him a lot of credit. And you also pointed out in your article um, how, and he said this after the game, 
he talked about how he treats practices like their game situations since he wasn't getting into games. And you pointed out that actually the stars were impressed by that, and that's why he's up. Yeah, and it's one of those things where he was always going to – it's kind of – Matt Murray's an interesting case too because he's kind of in this weird limbo spot where he's 25 years old. He'll be 26 soon. He is um, – make no bones. Like it's at the end of the day when the stars look at their depth and their long-term kind of goaltender picture – Remy Poirier is kind of the guy who they see as potentially the future backup to um, Jake Ottinger. Poirier is only 22. He's four years younger than Murray. He's going to have time to grow, all those things. So Murray's kind of in this spot where he's can kind of fight for what he has and everything like that. But at the same time, there's not, he's kind of the, like, uh, like the casino chip, the stars found and you just keep playing with it to see what, to see what happens. And he keeps kind of proving himself. And I, like the way that uh, I, I just, I kind of, it was throughout this process when they called him up, knowing they were going to play Scott Wedgwood a lot. Part of that decision also came with the ideology that, you know what? Well, Murray's up there backing up Wedgwood. Remy Poirier is going to play a lot of games. So during that time though, the stars could have sent Murray down for a conditioning stint. In fact, there's some people who I even talked to who have asked, like, why didn't they? They should have sent him down for a conditioning stint to uh, to uh, to get him fresh before he plays in an NHL game. And it was one of the things where the, speaking to people around the stars and some people, some sources there, it's they were so impressed with how this kid, with how Murray practiced, how he how he handled practices that the NHL practices where the shooters are better throughout the lineup were better than were a better tool at this point than having him go down to play in the AHL. And you know what? We saw it last night. I thought it was a great, a great showing for, for him last night. Um, it was uh stars did a good job, even though, even though they probably let more shots right off the pop than they wanted to, it actually turned into a bit, a little bit of an ideal kind of uh, um, opening period, even just, even with the quantity of it, Murray was able to get into a rhythm and um, feel the puck a bit more. I mean, sometimes one of the hardest things as a goalie is when you're sitting there and you don't get a shot for seven, eight minutes, yeah. as we saw kind of what happened to Flurry last night, actually, I think on the first goal. And uh, it was, uh, so I thought, I thought Murray got into a zone real quick because of that and full credit to him. Great. You, you seize that opportunity. I loved seeing the zoom in on his face on the broadcast after this, the smile under his mask, because like, that's something where I don't know the number, right? But like hundreds, maybe only hundreds of people in the history of this planet have had a shutout in an NHL game, and he's one of them. That, yeah. That's a cool feeling. No, he could definitely oh. tell his grandkids about it. That's uh, certainly yeah. special. And you know what? I loved the thrill coming off the bench. Um, they were really happy for him. And oh, yeah. That makes for a great plane ride and uh, hopefully can create some momentum. Like I said last night, I'm not, I wasn't trying to over dramatize it, but. You know, you could look back in the season and you could say, wow, grab two points in Nashville. And you could also look back and say we had two leads against Colorado. I mean, you know, points are points. But you could look at this game also and say, hey, Matt Murray gave us an opportunity. And uh, that's absolutely wonderful. You know, a weird thing, too. You know, you look at stats and you're like, wow, how's that happening? And really, the, 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 the tale of this series, Sean, Minnesota one for 11 on the power play against Dallas and the stars four shorthanded goals. Have you seen something like this? That's it's, it's one of the, there's two wild stats, <laughs> wild stats. Uh, there's two <laughs> wild, two wild stats about this game. One is those, the shorthanded goals um, between Dallas and uh, the, the Dallas had against Minnesota. And it's, um, Yes, Dallas has a great penalty kill. Minnesota has a bad power play, but it's still uncanny to see the way that happened. Uh, it's that's just so fluky to happen. And then the other kind of wild stat about it was so I don't know if you saw this one, Gavin. Of Murray's five uh, shutouts in his AHL career, three have come against the Iowa Wild. Oh, he's got wow. <laughs> so he's got uh in his career so in his career as a pro he has six career shutouts between the NHL and <laughs> AHL and four of them have come against uh, the the wild uh the, the wild family so <laughs> wow <laughs> that's that's 
it was an interesting game last night. It was, yeah. you know, it was really because it wasn't your typical game, you know, felt as though the wild were, and you know, they fully admitted it. They were coming after Murray early, but at the same time, you know, that shorthanded first goal, you know, it was, I think that was the stars. I put it down. I think it was their second or third shot of the night. So it wasn't like they were yeah. getting any action on flurry early. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it was their third shot and it was, uh, it, it, it's also it was also kind of funny watching that after last season and i know dean evison got fired before um and is no longer the coach there but it was funny to see minnesota get all these power plays after all of their kind of whining about it in the postseason last year right and so yeah. to see kind of uh dallas be the one that was overly penalized over and over again and then see Minnesota, you get burned on it. It was kind of fittingly poetic based off just past history between these teams and conversations. And, um, and I, I love that. I think the stars penalty kill is great. I think it's, it's a unit that understands its role. And I think it's well, it's two pronged. Well, um, and I know a lot of the times, uh, Essa Lindell and Yanni Hockenbaugh take a little bit of heat for not being the most fleet of foot and everything like that. But one of the things that Lindell and Hockenbaugh do on the penalty kill is they do a great job of understanding they are the last piece of the puzzle that allows the plays like Tyler Sagan to forecheck and everything like that. I think there are sometimes we, we so often we want defensemen to activate and jump into the play and all of that stuff. And then that's fine. But sometimes when you're on the penalty kill, it gives your forwards, your penalty killing forwards a a lot more leash when you've got defenders who are like, okay, I'm going to let be here and be the anchor on it. It's going to let Tyler Sagan and, uh, um, it's going to let Tyler Sagan jump into the play like that. It's going to let Tyler Sagan real by hints go because you've got your defensemen who are going to make sure that we're going to stall any rush that you get beat up ice on and everything like that. I think it's, 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 it's a, it's, it's a very good penalty killing unit. And I like, and I think not just because of their time on ice, because that's what all people always put to, but, but schematically, I like the way Lindell and Hockenpah play together on that because I think that's where their skill set is needed. Um, it's maybe not the best thing at five on five anymore, but on the penalty kill and they played like seven and a half minutes in that role last night. It's, 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 it's a great spot. So, yeah. Yeah. And who would have thought eight years ago, we'd say Tyler Sagan's a really, you know, he's pretty good on the power play kill. Yeah. I mean, he kind of like, he started playing that role a little bit in the one season when Ken Hitchcock was here with Dallas. And, um, and I, I think he's always been, a little bit more of a well-rounded forward than people want to give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, that's just a bit of the reality of the narrative around the Tyler Sagan story and his career. But I also, um, I, I think one of the, the, the best things that Tyler Sagan has done in the past three to four years, as he's been dealing with and coming back from these injuries is he's embraced the role that uh, I'm not saying he doesn't want to score. That's not what I'm saying at all here, but he's embraced the role that it's not about points for Sagan anymore. It's it, it really isn't um, him. And I talked about this, I think it was last year. I can't remember when we talked about it after, after, after a morning skate and how he won his Stanley cup as a, as a teenager. It was great it kind of spoiled him. Right. And then it's now taken, it's taken this time and this long and you realize how hard it really was. And not that you don't appreciate it, but you don't appreciate a Stanley cup at 18 as you do at 32, 33, whatever Tyler is now. And so I I think a lot of that is kind of, and and I think Tyler, and it's similar to how Jamie Ben's career is kind of morphed to where I I don't think they look at the stat sheet anymore. I, I, I really don't. Um, I think it's become more and more of, where is our overall game? How do we get that missing piece to our careers? Because both of them have the individual accolades, the individual achievements, all that stuff. But there's still that, that for Ben, there's still that massive gap on his resume. And for Sagan, there's that piece that he has, but didn't really get to, probably didn't embrace and celebrate the way 
he could have or known how hard it was because of when he won with Boston as a as a teenager. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, you pointed out in your article last night, Jason Robertson, thirteen points in his last ten yeah. games, twenty points in his last seventeen games. I, I mean, that's yeah. really impressive, but also very quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, maybe it's because we're not seeing the goals as yeah, much as very, we did last year. I, I mean, I, I I don't like it's the 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 point total. The sorry, the assist rate is is better this year, right? Like, yep. well, not the assist rate is 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 probably on par with what we expected. But I mean, he's on pace for twenty six goals this year, and for most NHL players, a twenty six goal season is great. But for a guy who scored forty the past forty in each of the past two, it's a bit underwhelming. And um, I think Robertson's been better the past ten games. I would kind of um, if we could, if, if he can isolate off that and build that the rest of the season, I think the stars will be in great shape. Um, it's kind of one of those weird things of sliding expectations because at the end of the year, someone's going to look at his goals and points totals, and they're going to say it was a disappointment. And it could be, but I still think there's time where if he plays like the Jason Robertson of old and continues producing points like he has the last 10 games over the next 40 games, you kind of just throw out the first 30 games because what matters most, what's going to matter most is we just talked about Stanley Cup stuff, things like that. You want, is he going to be this player in May and June? Um, So it's, it's been good to see Robertson kind of, uh, find that offensive groove in the finishing there. So yeah. You know, one one thing I do, sometimes a player needs to be absent for you to realize it. And I realize that Miro Haskinen is Miro Haskinen and Mm -hmm. terrific in so many ways, but Sean, it is really noticeable coming out of the zone. Um, Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) You watch last night's game and it was like pass first, like let's try to pass this thing up. Whereas, you know, Miro, just the calmness of the puck carrying, um, and, and Harley's done a nice job as far as absorbing the minutes and super excited about his career head with the Dallas Stars. But last night was noticeable. Oh, yeah. And with uh, with without Miro, Stars, one of the things the Stars run into without Miro is they don't have, it's, it's the spot where now they go from, when Miro and Harley are both in the lineup, they essentially have two guys who are, they have two puck carrying pairs and the other team knows that too. When it's just Harley and Oheshkinen, all of a sudden you really only have one player that has both the confidence and the ability. And I want to say the confidence and the ability because you have another player who has the ability on this defense and Lils Lundqvist, but doesn't have the confidence. And so you only have, you only have really one player with the confidence and the ability to carry the puck out of the zone and, be kind of a talky version of the run pass option on the zone exit and everything. And that's, that's a lovely thing for a team when you're forechecking, when you're, when you're, when all you have to say in your forechecking meeting is, Hey, everyone else is going to pass. All you have to really worry about is this one guy becomes much easier for the forecheckers. Yeah. And so that's, that's, that's one of the biggest things. Um, it's, uh, I was just wrote something for D magazine that'll come out later this week, kind of about it, where the, the, the Hishkinen injury probably couldn't, other than being at playoff time, it may have come at the worst possible time when you combine the injuries and how other things are going around the, the division and everything. But um, kind of the crux of my point in the article that's coming out on D magazine is hopefully in the long run, if you're looking for silver linings, this is the place and this is the stretch where the stars coaching staff realize that Thomas Harley should probably be playing 22 minutes a night, even when Miro's in the lineup. And I think that's hopefully the long-term takeaway as you, as you look at this. So Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. All right, my favorite former goaltender. If you're <laughs> Pete DeBoer, are you pulling the trigger on Murray again? Maybe Saturday night you have a back-to-back. You have Friday and Saturday. You have Nashville, and then you go to Chicago on Saturday. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, I'm going back to, I go back to Wedgwood on Wednesday. Yep, um, I do too. From, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm of the belief of, I think sometimes you want to play with house money when you have it. And plus with the back-to-back, you know, um, and I'm not sold that Jake Ottinger is going to be back for this weekend. So with, with, with that in mind, I want uh, to split my goalies on, I'm going to use both goalies Friday and Saturday. And so I don't want Murray playing three and four. I also think there's a benefit to, um, and I wrote about this last night with Murray where he's still at the spot where no one knows who he is, right? Like that's the spot where like, yes, you can do scouting. I really enjoyed that part of your article. Yeah. Like a lot of people, um, a lot of people, you can do your scouting from the AHL and everything like that, but, but players don't have no NHL players have a book on Matt Murray. Now, the while they're going to have Matt Murray fresh in mind from Monday, and if they play him Wednesday, what's the what's the the moral of the story is going to be? Okay, hey, we shot glove side way too much Monday night. Let's start looking the other way. And I think it's I think there's a benefit sometimes when you have two goalies and you're playing the same team to switch things up because it forces the other team to adjust and things that might work against one goalie won't work against the other. Like I would highly expect. Um, if you're a goalie fan and you're at the game Wednesday, I think it'll be a fun night because I, I expect Jesper Walstead will play for Minnesota. He's arguably one of the best goalie prospects in the world. He's going to be the starter and for Minnesota for a long, long time. And uh, he's a guy who I pulled uh, intentionally pulled his shot chart last night in the story where the stars are going to look at his AHL work and they're going to see, okay, we have to shoot high on this kid because Jesper Walstead locks everything down, down low. And, I want these discussions to be happening between here, between you and I and the coaching staff. I don't want to send Matt Murray back in against a team and individual players that now know what doesn't work against him. So they try the other stuff. If that makes sense. No, it absolutely does. Sean, the Winnipeg Jets just keep winning. They're in it action. Is, uh, They're in action it tonight. Is, it is remar- Columbus, remarkable. It like, really is. Like, it, it really is. I mean, Bones, possible coach of the year. Uh, Day, general manager of the year, one would think. I mean, um, I mean, yeah. it could end at any time, but it is, it's a great story in hockey. And obviously they're talking about it on Hockey Night in Canada because it's one of the Canadian teams, but not sure, like, if the – I think people are just waiting for the fall to happen, and it's it's kind of awesome what's happening considering the issues they had with crowds early in the year and – what everyone thought would happen where they wouldn't re-sign Hellebuck or Shifley and that they'd be in this rebuilding stage. Yeah, it's, I'll be honest. I, I didn't expect, I, I keep looking for the flaws and this is the sign of a good team, right? I keep looking for the flaws with, with, with Winnipeg. I keep, I keep going through and I keep saying like, Oh, but yeah, this is why they're not as good as their record shows. And I, I, I keep, I, I'm struggling to find, I'm struggling to find that yeah, but about them. It's, it's they're they're a good team. They're a very good hockey team. They're, um, Rick Bonus has given some offensive players more leash. I mean, the most impressive thing about Rick Bonus, and I said this yesterday talking to my buddy Dmitry Filipovich in Vancouver. Uh, the most impressive thing to me about Rick Bonus is. Rick Bonus's best times in Dallas, Gavin, and we know this. Rick Bonus is a very good defensive coach, and he's a very good crisis coordinator, right? Like he was. Some of his best times in Dallas came when he was helping galvanize a team, and they were they were coming together from some sort of adversity. And the Jets haven't had much adversity since since the playoffs last season. And he, the fact he's been able to keep things rolling along, even when things are going well. And I know that may sound easy, but like that's some coaches and even older ones, Rick Bonus is one of the oldest coaches in the NHL, if not the oldest right now, and has coached more games than anyone else. You still have to learn how to do things. And I think 
Rick Bonus has actually shown some growth in how he lets his team play, how he is kind of managing success and not needing crisis to build out of, if uh, if that makes sense to the people listening at home. No, it, it, to- it totally does. So uh, last night on Twitter, the Philadelphia Flyers were trending and yep. just drama central. And this is a fascinating story um, for those mm-hmm. that are maybe passive hockey fans learning from spits and suds. I would equate it to in a different way, but similar now um, looking at uh, John Elway, you know, I won't play for this team or uh, even or Eli. Uh, Manning. Yeah. I think Eli, yeah. Eli Manning is the one, yep. right. Or yeah. like he was, cause who was he drafted by actually? Uh, Eli. Eli was drafted by at the time, the San Diego chargers. Okay. And they yeah. actually dropped down, and that's how they – oh, my goodness. Oh, you know how you get put on the spot? Yeah, yeah. And they, yeah. <laughs> they drafted uh, LaDainian Tomlinson, and that okay. worked out pretty good, too. They it didn't did win a Super Bowl. Well they didn't them. win two yeah. Super Bowls, but yeah. it worked yeah. out pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, let me let me set up these cuts because yeah. John Tortorola and Daniel Briere – we're well, talk- real quick, before, yeah. yeah, before 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 we just real just real quick to, to give the quick backstory yes. for whatever what these Please guys do. are talking about. Um, Cutter Gauthier is uh, was the number five pick in the twenty twenty two draft um, by by Philadelphia. Real good player. If you watched World Junior um, this past two weeks here, he was uh, he was electric for Team USA. He's been really good at Boston College, and uh, essentially. He uh he didn't want to play for Philadelphia. He's a number five pick. Uh, he's a, he's a sophomore in college. He because he was a college player, he has some of that little bit more freedom than some other players within the NHL collective bargaining agreement system. And so uh, basically, the Flyers tried to the Flyers had an inkling that he didn't want to be a flyer he did not go to their development camp last year and at the time they sold it as he had just been busy from world championships and uh this year uh, they tried to go to uh um Danny Briere and um the president of hockey operations who used to work for TNT uh Keith Jones went to Sweden and tried to meet with Gauthier to talk with him in Sweden during world junior. And he refused to meet with them. And so essentially the flyers realized that this kid didn't want to be a flyer and he, and they, they found a trade to move him to, to Anaheim. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what Anaheim got and everything. I think it's a great deal for Anaheim, but to set people up for this, of, of for the clips that Gavin's about to play, you're talking about a 19 year old kid who basically told a, I would say a top 10 most popular NHL franchise. Yeah. Probably. Fair. Yeah. Top, top 10 most popular NHL franchise that I would, I, that I, I will not play, that I, I will not play for you. And that's, that's kind of, uh, that's the backstory you need as you listen to these clips. Yeah, I guess thanks. That, that's play. a great setup, Sean. Yeah. Let's yeah. listen to GM Daniel Briere because I wanted to bring up something interesting that he points out. Go back to him not wanting to come to camp in the summer. It does, um, you know, and the reason why we didn't want to say anything was not to to hide anything from from our great fans. It was to try to protect the kid. We we were hoping that at some point he would change his mind. I mean, he, he had already changed his mind. He um, looked at us at the draft and told us he was built to be a flyer, wanted to be a flyer, and then a few maybe few months later told us that he didn't want to be a flyer didn't want to play for the flyers so in our mind at first we we said we have to protect him we have to uh, because if he changes his mind again um you know and it's out there that he doesn't want to play it's going to be tough for him um to put the uniform on uniform on um you know but uh, when we realized that they refused to talk to us now it's been months and he didn't want to be a flyer didn't want to be in philadelphia um it, it was time to make it happen. It goes back. They told us uh, when he came back from the world championship uh, last May, I believe. All right, Sean. I played that first clip because I wanted to ask your opinion. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a young kid. But do the Flyers, do they look better? And Briere has said he's tried to protect. 
and, you know, wanted to keep it quiet. So, and teams also kept it quiet as far as, you know, they didn't want it to, to get out too much. But yeah, my question is, player says to you, I want to be a flyer. I'm made to be a flyer. Do you just take that with a grain of salt with kids or at the same time? I, like, I, is that tough? I think you, I, I don't think, I don't think what a kid says on draft day is fair. That's the other thing. Like, I think it's like, you got to remember when, when, when Gauthier told the flyers that that's what he said when they drafted him at number five and you gotta, you get drafted. It's, it's the best day of your life. You're, you're a hero. You get, you're going to, he didn't know where he was going to get drafted, which team he was going to go to. Like, you just got drafted. You put the jersey on. You've been called up to the stage. Like, just it's it's like uh, saying like, oh, I'm 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 gonna be a flyer. I'm gonna be a flyer. You're gonna say that to anyone the minute they draft you, number five pick. Um, and so I think that's not. I think framing that part against Scotia isn't really fair because, um, there's a lot you learn about a team after. The, the, and I don't know what Gauthier's reasons are because he has we, they haven't come out completely, um, but for whatever reason it wasn't a fit for him, and that's and he decided that, and he didn't have to decide that. And what he said on draft day to me shouldn't be used as well. This is the kid just did his research and figured out whatever he said to say. So that that's kind of where I see on on that statement. Where um, now I do want to give. I do agree with Briere's sentiment that they were protecting the kid as they were figuring this out, because he's right. If this came out last year um, or when that happened and they didn't kind of hide it the way they did, he would have just been buried and they would have killed any chance of bringing him back. And um, so I think that's good. And I think that goes a long way. Um, so much of this business of hockey is relationships. Um one of the reasons that I think, Gavin, that uh, we haven't heard any rumblings or anger from Nils Lundqvist's camp is because Nils Lundqvist is a Claude Lemieux. Nils Lundqvist is a Claude Lemieux client, and Claude Lemieux um, is, is Claude Lemieux's Nils Lundqvist agent, and Lemieux is the one who pushed and got uh, Lundqvist the trade out of New York. But Freddie Olofsson is also a Claude Lemieux client, and last year the Stars did. Claude Lemieux a, a solid by trading Freddie Olofsson to the Avalanche for nothing. They literally traded him for nothing on um, uh, June 15th mm-hmm. so that Lemieux and and Olofsson didn't have to worry about legally getting out of a contract in Sweden that they had signed. And so that's some of the moves that these GMs make um, in the people management business. The Stars did a solid for Freddie Olofsson which is now paying off with a slightly less disgruntled agent for Nils Lundqvist. That's how this game works. And I think the Flyers, by not letting this get out, they did a good job of maintaining their reputation with, even if Gauthier didn't want to play for them, maintaining their reputation with Gauthier's representation and other players and everything because they could have blown this up and they didn't. Yeah, um, yeah. that's great perspective. So I, I, th- I, think, I think that's important to remember here. The no, other I thing, and I want to, I, the other thing, and I just want to... Uh, I know we're going to get to an angry, fired up torts in a minute here. Um, But before we get to that, I do want to say one thing about the Flyers. For as much as uh, the torts stuff and everything like that is going to always get talked about, I have talked to many people in hockey. I've talked to many agents. And there are many teams that I know there are many agents who they would intentionally guide their player to sign with Philadelphia because... Philadelphia has a reputation um, with their ownership group of treating players the right way. And whether it comes down to resources, um, the uh, um, here's a great story from so former former stars goalie Mike McKenna. Right. Um, He finished his career with Philly at the end and everything like that. Um, I don't know if you know this, Gavin, and you should ask Luds this next time you have him on to see if this was the but. Um, in the modern day and age, the policy is um, players don't get a players aren't promised their jersey. I don't know if you know that. So the if like Matt Murray played his game last night, the Stars will probably do the right thing and give it to him. But there's nothing that says you're promised a jersey. 
Like yeah. you have to buy one yourself. You have to buy your own jersey sometimes. Right. And um, I know Mike McKenna told me um, about his time in Philadelphia and some, as opposed to some of the other organizations he was with, um, and uh, I won't name which ones, but it was not Dallas that he's talking about. There's other ones where they didn't give him a jersey. They didn't do anything for, for his family. But when he was in Philly, even though he was only in Philly for like three or four weeks, got both kids. The, the day he, he got he got claimed on waivers by Philly. Um, the day after the day he arrived in Philly, the Flyers had a pair of jerseys for his two daughters just ready and, and made little McKenna jerseys made for his two daughters. Like the flyers as a way they treat players from management down do a great job. Actually, that's um, awesome. you can have your opinion on how John Tortorella coaches and that's fine, but I do want to defend the flyers in this way real quick, because as an organization, they sometimes get a bad rap of being a hard nosed and scrappy coach that they have. But in reality, when it comes to treating the players like humans, away from the ice. They do a really nice job. So um, I didn't I didn't think I'd be coming on to defend Philly today, but that is true. So I, <laughs> I, I do want to make sure that's out there. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So. And so what Sean's <laughs> saying is if you're going to the game on Wednesday night, what you need to do is is basically just take a piece of paper and and basically put it over Kari Letton and on the back of the sweater and put Murray on there. And you're good to go, right? <laughs> Yes, exactly. I mean, Razor pointed it out on TV <laughs> yeah. last night, but yeah. I, I got to be yeah. honest, I was the same way. I'm like, man, yeah. it is weird seeing 32 in net. That was interesting. Yeah, it is. It is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's hear from Torch just because it's Torch. And, um, you know, it's always fun to hear uh, from John Tortorella, the Philadelphia Flyers head coach. The first part of Kevin's question, uh, Danny said that Cutter didn't want to play here in Philadelphia and didn't want to play for the Flyers. What's your reaction to that? Then we don't want you. I believe you've met Cutter Goche before. Were you surprised that he... I don't know Cutter from a hole in a wall, you know? So, and I'm not too interested in talking about him. I'd rather talk about Jamie. He's the guy that's coming here. All right, then. So let's talk about Jamie. And, uh, you know, good on torts. I, I actually think that's the good response. It's like, player didn't want to be here. We don't want him here. Let's talk about the player that's coming here. So let's talk about what Philadelphia got in return because it's a tough position for a GM to be in when the player says, I don't want to be here, and he's a high draft pick. And if teams sniff that, they're going to try to get the bargain. Yeah. Well, it's – it's uh, first off, on tor- Torts' comments, I think that's the – kind of the way he has to go right that's uh the way he's got to defend his team he's got to get be welcomed into drysdale and bring him in and everything like that and i think that's 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 good it's if so often we want a us versus the world mentality on our team and if you don't want to be part of us then you're part of the world right and so i, I think that's good um i it's 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 interesting with kind of seeing how this all played out and tanking his value and not, not tanking his value and everything like that is I'm curious to see how this could have played out because let's, let's lay out the options for, for people, right, Gavin, because I think this is, this is important to talk about. Um, Gauthier is playing is in the middle of his uh, sophomore season at Boston college, right? So he said he didn't want to be a flyer. Fine. Whatever. Um, he couldn't sign with another NHL team this summer or the next summer. He still, if he, if he wanted to push this all the way to the end, he would have to play two more seasons at Boston college. And I, I, I truly wonder if he had the appetite for that. Like, I, I don't know, like, yeah, like, just like, think about it this way. You're a, he, he's a 19 year old kid, Yeah, 19 year old kid who played at the men's world championship last year and had nine points in 10 games. He's ready to play pro hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm grabbing a bag. 
yeah, the the Flyers could have easily said, okay, you don't want to be a Flyer. Well, okay, come talk to us next summer when all of a sudden your options are either us or go back to Boston College for junior year. Okay, you want to play? You want to? Do you really want? Do you want to do this all the way out where you where you're sitting out and hurting your? Like, he's Gauthier is now probably going to sign with the Ducks when BC season ends now, and he's going to start. He's going to get two years of pro hockey that what would have been his if he had, if Philly hadn't traded him. He basically could have set, played two more years of college and then became a free agent on August 15th of that, of uh, 2025, no, 2026, sorry. Um, and uh, it could have played out that way. And I, I'm curious how much Philly weighed that decision because at some point, at some point he would have realized that in order to play pro hockey before his 21st birthday, before his 22nd birthday, it would have to be with Philly. And um, it's for someone who just won gold and has dreamed of playing in the NHL, two additional years is a long time to wait. So um, I wonder how much Philly considered that internally of, do we just wait the kid out? Because they could have. They did a good job of hiding the story as long as they did. They could have just kept waiting them out. Um, so I, I don't know. It's, 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 an, it's another path this could have gone down. And maybe you go down that path and maybe uh, Gauthier calls their bluff and he goes back to BC for two years as one of the greatest college hockey careers of all time. And then just waits to be a free agent. Yeah. I don't think he would have done. I don't think he would have done that. I, I really don't think he would have done that. I think at some point he would have, even if he went back for his junior year, he would have been like, I want to get paid to play, man. Yeah. I've done everything I can at BC. I can't go to world junior anymore. Like, I, I, I think that the Flyers had another course of action here that they could have done. Um, um, now, I don't think his value ever would have been higher than it was right now. But I also think that there was still a chance the Flyers could have played the long game here, if that makes sense. No, it, it does. And I will tell Stars fans um, because they will see them um, for a home game, a Western Conference opponent um, next year. Specifically, you have... I, th- I say Gautier is going to make it. Leo Carlson, Mason McTavish, Trevor Zegras, Troy Terry. I mean, oh, yeah, Frank Vetrano, if you want to throw him in. I mean, Anaheim has some pieces. I don't know if they can put it all together, but the talent is certainly, you know, forming on the West Coast. Verbeek has done a really nice job. Yeah. I think he's done a really good job with that team. I look at rebuilding teams, and I look at them, and I sometimes – and when the end goal is to – win a Stanley cup, right? Cause that's the end goal. The end goal as a, um, the, the end goal is to win a Stanley cup. And, uh, if you are looking at it from that perspective, not win a Stanley cup next year or what, who's better right now there. If you ran Anaheim side by side with a bunch of other rebuilding teams or whatever. And I said, which of these teams will win a Stanley cup? And I give you a, fi- a 10 year span. You might, you'd probably take Anaheim over some other rebuilding teams who might be closer to the playoffs right now, but you look at them and you're like, I'm missing the big piece that I need. I don't have a Leo Carlson. I don't have a a Pavel Mintikov. I don't have um, Cutter Gauthier. Like Anaheim is going to be a, they're already a fun team to watch because they have a lot of, they give up a lot. They they create a lot of chances, give up a lot of chances, but they're going to be fun and good yeah. in about three to four years here. Very good in about three to four Ducks years Kings here. is going to be a nice little rivalry. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so when the Stars will end on this, Sean, Saturday night when they face the Blackhawks, unfortunately without Connor Bedard. Um, but That's I did a bad want to... roster. Bad roster. Have you looked at how rough yes. that roster looks? Yes. It a- is rough. A- absolutely. Yeah. They do have a lot of picks in the future, so they, they certainly have some currency. But – you know, I wanted to talk about the hit, and we've talked about this because it's kind of like become an inside pitch in, in uh, baseball mm-hmm. where it's yeah. like, how dare you throw inside? I mean, I thought Brendan Smith's hit was clean. Um, I do give him a lot of credit. Uh, Felino had a job to do, uh, went into the corner, and they kind of had like a little bit of a scrum, so to speak, and – you know, it was broken up, but later in the game, Brendan Smith knew what he had to do and took the fight. And, uh, you know, I give him credit for that. You know, let's settle it on the ice and that should be the end. But to me, it started with you got to keep your, I mean, and I don't want to say keep your head up because I just think it was just a solid 
hit, and it wasn't like the intent was to injure. Um, it was just one of those things, and I wanted to get your thought. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't have an issue with the hit. It's you have uh, it's it was a clean it was a clean hit. I mean, it's unfortunate that the injury is unfortunate, but uh, the injury is unfortunate. But it was a clean hit. Um, it's uh, to me, it was kind of one of those unfortunate learning moments. And I, I'm not let me let me let me be, let me be very careful on how I phrase this. I'm not phrasing that Connor Bedard should have gotten hurt. I'm not phrasing it that right. way at all. But I do think there was a there's a learning curve that Bedard has kind of um, slid around throughout where there's plays he's continued to make um, from the, from his routes and where he goes and where he takes his game that worked in junior hockey, because in junior hockey guys are either big or fast. There's no in between. And in the NHL, everyone is big and everyone is fast. And I think it was one of those plays where, um, you don't see Sidney Crosby making that rush without protecting himself. You know what I'm saying? Like you, like Bedard, like Bedard made the rush and made the play and everything, but um, you didn't see the way Crosby protects his body with his shoulder in case the hit comes. Those, those little things that I think Bedard still has to add to his game for the level of competition he's now playing at, because he's never played against defenders this big and this fast. And unfortunately it came at the expense of an injury. It's really unfortunate. And, the league is hoping and praying he can be in the all-star game yeah. on, uh, on um, the, on February 3rd or 4th or whatever it is, because he was, it's one of the things where the, the, with uh, the most viewed game in the NHL this year has been Bedard's uh, debut with Chicago. Like Bedard is, 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 is a marketing win for the NHL. And so they are really hoping that, uh, he's going to be cleared for the all-star game because that, that was supposed to be a big, I mean, who else are you going to send from Chicago to the all-star right, game? Right. Right. So, no, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and my fingers are crossed Sean, because, you know, he is a Toronto native and the all-star game will be in Toronto. Oh, he's, he's, a, he's a Vancouver no, 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 native. I'm sorry. I'm switching subjects. My bad. My bad. Okay. I, I was switching subjects and I was going to talk okay. about okay. Zach Hyman. Get, get, oh, uh, gotcha. Cause gotcha, you gotcha. mentioned the all-star game. And the way the voting goes and the way that the structure is, not everyone gets in, but boy, give me a Zach Hyman sweater and, you know, Edmonton Oilers. Wow. 35 games, 40 points, plus 13 on the ice. Um, Everyone talks about McDavid and Dreisaitl. What this could be, if you look at the last three or four years, um, this could be one of the better free agent signings out there as far as what he's been able to do in an Edmonton Oilers sweater. Yeah, it's it's also to be clear on something too. You go to um and he, he's he's been good. It's not play with great players. You have to you have to there's a certain skill to be able to play with great players. And so give him full credit for that. And uh yeah, his the point totals he's had though have been super impressive. I yeah. mean it's um it is interesting. It's going to be interesting how the all-star game shakes out because the problem with the all-star format and it's, it's, we have too many teams now for the one team. We have too many teams and not enough spots for, it was fine when you had a 26 team league to say everybody gets their representation, right? When right. you have a 32 team league, um, if you're going to say everyone gets a team, gets, gets a representative, you gotta, you gotta expand the number of, all-stars right that's yep. the other that's that that's that's my big thing because no, i agree um it shouldn't be in a spot where it's ridiculous that that i that leon dreisaitl will never be that leon dreisaitl has to get voted in every year that's ridiculous like that that shouldn't be the case like leon dreisaitl is a top five player in the world one of the best passers of this generation we shouldn't have to vote leon dreisaitl into the right. all-star right yeah so, no, you're absolutely correct, my friend. Same thing with yeah, yep. Same same thing with like same thing with with Colorado. Like the fact that Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon, the fact we have to vote Kale McCarr into the All Star game. Yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah, like, that's yeah. So I want Matt Duchesne in. Yeah, but I I, I love I, I one quick thing on Duchesne just because we've talked about him quite a bit on the show. I thought it was really telling in a positive way because we've heard some things about his his past and obviously he had the 
um, the exit from the dramatic excerpt from Denver to Ottawa yeah. and, and uh, when someone gets bought out from Nashville, you go, you always like, Oh man, what's up? What's up there? Um, I thought it was a really uh, nice sign to see him wearing a, a letter last night as an assistant captain yes. with uh, Miro Hishkin and out, because I think that's a nice little sign of um, what this guy has done um, since coming here and coming to Dallas and figuring things out because uh, um Stars don't take those letters uh, lightly. So yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. It seems like he he's a nice fit, and it seems like he's enjoying himself here. So that's uh, that's really good. So everybody, go sign up for Shap Shots. That's Sean's Substack, and what a terrific article last night highlighting various analytics happening in the Stars Wild game. Uh, it was terrific. You can read his upcoming article in D Magazine. What I always say about Robert Tiffin, David Castillo. And my man, Sean Shapiro, just look at the article and just hit refresh, 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 refresh. <laughs> so we can get the top articles up there so we can support our guys. And uh, so, Sean, you're a beast. Thank you so much for this week's edition. I'm so glad we got to go around the NHL as well, because I think from a star's perspective and Spitz and Suds listeners, they like to hear about the NHL news and you bring it as far as, you know, what's happening. So we appreciate it. Awesome, man. It's always fun. And uh, as, as uh, thanks to everyone who listens for helping us grow this thing, because it's uh, it's always fun to get on every, every week we do it. So. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget, a perfect Father's Day gift is we win here. I haven't been plugging the book in like two weeks. What's wrong with me? <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> or Valentine's. That's a perfect Valentine's for the ladies listening out there. Absolutely. So, uh, yes, as Sean mentions, we continue to grow, and it's because of you guys. So support Spits and Suds, and one of the things you guys can do is share the link on Twitter or Facebook and tell, like, Stars fans, it's like, hey, there's a cool podcast out there, and they're talking Stars almost on a daily basis, something that you guys requested. So please, let's continue to grow this thing, and uh, it's going to be awesome together. So that's going to do it for another edition of Spits and Suds. For Sean Shapiro, I'm Gavin Spittle. Have a great day, everyone.